Well, someone talk to our our worship leader about the high drum songs right before the sermon. I don't know what to do about that. I know. I will deal all day, too. Good morning, church family. How are you? Good morning online. So glad that you're here. We are in the same passage as last week. So turn with me to James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Finishing up chapter 3, we'll roll into Easter time. And then after Easter, we'll get back, start on chapter 4. Uh, it's been a great journey. We are in this time where James is dealing with wisdom. We've talked about our faith and that our faith needs some kind of out showing out, uh, uh, outward growth by our works. And then James brings in wisdom that we need, even in our wisdom that we have, it's not only the knowledge of the things of God, knowledge of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, knowledge of the Holy Spirit, it's how is that now going to change how we think and act towards others? And how are we going to interact in interpersonal relationships, businesses, home, wherever? Our wisdom has got to be godly-based. Uh, so we're going to look at that. And we talk about how important wisdom is for life, uh, to figure things out. It's taking knowledge. It's being able to do something with it. And there's a story of a bus driver who kind of went a little bit with the Solomon, the Solomon wisdom. There are two ladies on the bus causing a ruckus. They were fighting over the same seat. And it was so disruptive, it's messing up all the other bus riders. And finally, the bus driver had enough. He goes, look, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give that open seat to the ugliest of the two of you. Well, guess what? Both women stood the whole rest of the ride. So there's a, there's an element to, to knowing what how to handle a situation and wisdom. And one more piece, this is just for free. We talked about difference of knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad, all right? Because that would be disgusting. Um, so James is like, there's there's wisdom in this world. There's wisdom from God. We we deal with both, uh, but it's got to be more of the godly wisdom. So read with me again, chapter three of James, verses thirteen through eighteen. Says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works and the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and spiritual demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so, again, this this good conduct is shown in the meekness of wisdom. There's got to be this outward expression of our wisdom and our faith, and that's shown in good conduct. And this wisdom that we have is meekness. And we talked last week about a horse, the power of the horse, but when it is broken and able to have a bridle put in and reins and the saddle, the strength of the horse isn't gone, but now you have control of the horse. And so that meekness is a power 
this godly wisdom that we have from the power of God, we have, there is a control that goes with it and there's patience and there's just taking a moment to pause before speaking sometimes. And that meekness is Christ-like. Uh, it, let me read to you Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. This is the same word as meek uh, in James. And lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is not weak. There's the power of God in Christ Jesus as the Son of God. And for him to be meek and gentle, there's that picture where we need to be. We have this ability to take every situation, to stop, to pause, and to have the strength to not get into our immediate, because our tongue wants to start wagging and causing all sorts of issues, and our wisdom, we start thinking worldly and earthly, and things don't make sense we got to stop and understand the power of God in our life as Christians, understanding that he's going to give us the wisdom to work out any situation. So James is continuing to challenge us in our relationship with God, and that is revealed in the life that we live. So James is establishing that someone who is wise will show their good conduct in the meekness of their wisdom. So that's the ultimate goal. There are two wisdoms in this world that we're dealing with. One is earthly wisdom, and we talked about that last week. When we rely on that, it causes all sorts of chaos. Our life is a wreck. Uh, We're going all over the place where it's destructive. It's a big mess when we rely on earthly wisdom. So today we're going to look at godly wisdom. And James has packaged this amazing package of godly wisdom that we're going to take a look at word by word. Uh, so if you're there in James 3, says James says the first piece of this godly wisdom is pure. The first and most important is pure. It's most important because the source of this wisdom is from God, from our God who is holy, from our God who in the holiness of who he is has nothing to do with sin, has nothing to do with evil, has nothing to do with this world. He is on his, by himself and is holy. And so this wisdom from him is pure. It's pure. It's holy. It is from God. And we have access to that. It is true. It is certain. It is for sure. It is not tainted by evil. It is not tainted by man or this earth or anything in this earth. He, it is a pure wisdom from a holy God. And this wisdom doesn't have room for impure motives or thoughts. So James establishes this godly wisdom as pure, uh, that it is all about God. Then he says it's peaceable. True wisdom does not look for trouble, but looks for peace. Now, I should have warned you last week, and now I'm warning you this week. It's too late because you're already here for your steel-toed boots, because we're going to get lots of toes stepping right now the rest of this time. So it's peaceable. So what does that mean to be peaceable? Um, and I said, true wisdom does not look for trouble, but look for peace. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 11. And here's, this really hit me because there's a lot going on in our, our world right now. In our culture, 
there's a lot of divisiveness. Social media is not helping. Politics aren't helping. Uh, all this outside influence on our soul and on our hearts and us as a church. Um, we've got to be get this godly wisdom locked in for a peaceable way to handle all these situations coming across a, a social media thread and like, oh, I'm responding. Like, no, hold up. Let's talk a little bit first. So first Peter three verses eight through eleven says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. You're not going to find that on social media, by the way. Um, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called and that you may obtain a blessing. Then he quotes from Psalm 34. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So not just seek peace. Let me just kind of find a peaceful little corner of this world. No, you got to pursue it. It's a pursuit. It's something that we've got to strive for. Um, this peace to not stirring up controversy over these petty issues, but keep focus on the things of Christ. And, and stay locked in and pursue peace, pursue peace in our relationships, in our conversations, in our dealing with others at all times. And then James goes on to say that this godly wisdom is gentle. Now, this is a different Greek word than the one before that talked about meekness. Uh, this gentleness is actually, and reading directly from one of my commentaries, it said, knows how to forgive when strict justice gives us a perfect right to condemn. So it's, it's a fairness. It's not being so, um, insistent on the letter of the law. And aren't you glad that Jesus didn't sit there and say, well, you deserve this justice because of your sin. You don't deserve a relationship with me. You don't deserve a open relationship with God the Father. You don't deserve the Holy Spirit. But because of this gentleness and, and understanding the justice that we faced, it's reacting and loving and mercy anyway. And so that's what this gentle is. And Jesus was all about this. In fact, we're going to see Jesus throughout all of the, this entire list, that he embodied each one of these as a son of God. Second Corinthians 10.1 says, Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. So here's the meekness that we talked about earlier, this power under control, and the gentleness, uh, understanding that with our situation and our sin, our justice, we are found guilty. And Christ, in our guilt, paid for the, our sins through his blood. And that is a gentle. When is the last time that we have been so gentle in a situation with someone who definitely deserved to pay the consequences, but yet we saw fit to show love and mercy to them. And then James says that this godly wisdom is open to reason. Uh, true wisdom does not try to start arguments, but tries to be reasonable. It means that you listen before you speak. James talked about this back in chapter 1, to be quick to hear, uh, to just hold up. It's not saying that you're giving into an argument, 
But just wait a second. Hear the other person's side. Hear their story. Hear their background, where they're coming from. Just pause for a moment a moment, and be open to reason. And there might be a possibility that we're wrong. Okay, I'm going to say you're wrong but because I'm never wrong. But that, But we're wrong. There are times that we are wrong and we need to admit it. So we need to pause, listen with reason, and then and then work out the situation. How many arguments would that have been? Have been would have been squashed and been minimal if we had stopped first, listened to reason, and listened to the other person in a conversation? And this godly wisdom can discern the difference and willing to yield to minor matters. Willing to just stop and say that I'm sorry and I'm wrong if we're wrong. This godly wisdom is also full of mercy. True wisdom leads us to people of mer- to be people of mercy, quick to forgive, and that's not easy. I know that. And if you if you look back at some of this list, and we've talked about this before, James was very influenced by the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And if you go back and look at the Beatitudes, it mentions gentleness and purity, and peace. And now here is mercy. Uh, the blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So all throughout, we're, we're, we see the Beatitudes. We see Christ's embodiment of each one of these. And as we, in our faith growth process, are becoming more like Jesus, our movement should be towards being more involved in this godly wisdom and pursuing these things in our life. And Jesus talked about mercy all the time and especially that story of the servant who was forgiven millions of dollars of debt by his master i mean life-changing forgiveness that he experienced and mercy and then he goes not five minutes later sounds like me after trying to get home and not talk bad about anyone five minutes later here there's his buddy that owes him 10 bucks and he gets him thrown in prison so where's the mercy so we love because he first loved us. We need to ha- show mercy because he first showed us mercy. How, how can we not show mercy to Christ Jesus who died for our sins? In our, in our, in our guiltiness, he died for our sins. And with that mercy, how do we not bestow that mercy to others in our own life? And we're all guilty of it, but we can do so much better. And so it's full of mercy. And then it's full of, of good fruits. True wisdom produces godliness in us. And looking back at James chapter 2, when James is talking about that, that faith produces these, these actual good deeds and gives the example of what good is it if someone is in need and we do nothing. That someone needed a meal and we didn't do anything. Someone needed clothing and we didn't do anything. And so it's full of good fruits. I love that it is a wisdom that's not theoretical, that it's practical. It is a roll up your sleeves and take action kind of movement of our faith in this godly wisdom. And then it's, it's impartial, impartial. More than showing favor to, no favoritism. So being partial, you're like, well, I kind of lean this way for this situation, lean over here for this person. Being impartial means you, you're not swayed by anything. You don't really care. It's deeper than this, this word. It is more an unwavering, a undivided. It's a sense and loyalty to God 
and our faith in him that isn't going to waver, that there's no outside force that's going to sway us either way. We're going to be impartial in this godly wisdom. And then it's sincere. True wisdom does not put on this false front. It is real all the time. And James, again, talked about being double-minded. This sincerity is a not double faith, not two-faced. There's a sincere, pure wisdom from God because it's from God that we just need to, to live that out and show that in everyone and not try to trick people and not try to deceive them, but be sincere in our wisdom, our godly wisdom. So here's this list that James has given us and we see Christ through it. We see our pursuit of all these things. And it's not easy. It's not easy at all. So this last part of the sermon, I want to share about how do we get more godly wisdom. The very first most important thing is to pray and ask Christ Jesus to be Lord of your life. If you do not have a relationship with God, we don't have access to that godly wisdom. So the first step is understanding from Colossians 2-3 that Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the godly wisdom is found in Christ. If we don't have Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we don't have access to that, let alone our salvation and eternity in heaven. So I pray if there's anyone that is in here that doesn't know that they for sure are have Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior, please come and talk to me. Talk to someone, anyone at home, please reach out. If there are people in your life that you know that don't know Jesus, talk to them. Have Pray for opportunities to share their, that love that Jesus has for them to them because they, they won't have access to this godly wisdom without that. And they won't have eternity in heaven without that. And their sins forgiven. So first step is to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. The second, and this is what I love about our relationship with God, the second thing to attain more godly wisdom, just ask. Back up in James 1.5, says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. Here's the thing. If it's that easy, how come we're not living it that much? I mean, I felt convicted. Yeah, I slam on my toes now. Uh, why aren't we asking more for the wisdom of God? And the big things come, and I get that, and we're down on our knees and praying it, uh, with these massive problems that life comes. But I'm talking about going out to lunch with your family today. I'm talking about dealing with your family tonight. Talking about going to work tomorrow, dealing with school. Every single situation, the wisdom of God will have an effect on. And why are we not simply asking? Stopping sometimes without wagging our tongues a little too much. Stopping and say, God, please give me your wisdom in this situation. I think we need to be on our knees a lot more praying for the wisdom of God. Because it's not easy. And I don't want us to get discouraged. I don't want us to feel like, Man, I can never, yeah, if people keep stepping on my toes, I'm going to trip up and fall on my face. Makes sense, right? It's not easy. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 16 through 31. I read the first part of this passage last week. But 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. And here is, again, 
this image of what the wisdom of God is, who God is in this wisdom compared to anything else on this earth. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-31 says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. So <clears throat> describing earthly wisdom. But God chose what is foolish in a world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in a world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the, in the world. And again, describing all this earthly wisdom that, that says all of these things are foolish. Why is God reaching down to the lowest of the low? But yet God chose in his wisdom that even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him and God's mercy and grace, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, which is Jesus taking our sin upon himself, and sanctification, making possible our faith growth process to be more like Jesus, and redemption. In Jesus, we have been delivered from our sin. And then verse 31, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. What an amazing picture that we don't deserve any of this wisdom of God. We don't deserve this relationship with God. But God loves us. He has showered us with mercy and grace. And it's more than just this ticket to heaven and your sins are forgiven. I'll see you when you die on earth. No, he's all in with us. He's all in, and we have full access to the wisdom of God in our life. So much greater than anything that the earthly wisdom, and we talked about that last week, the, the, the small dew on a leaf from God, his creation, is so much greater than any wisdom of any man that has ever lived on this earth. And that's amazing. We have access to that. And that's so beautiful. Look at verse 18, because I want to wrap up with this. Verse 18 says, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So church, let's be more peaceable. Let's be more at peace. Let this be a safe place for us in our faith growth process, for us to grow in our in the diving into the word of God, in our worship, in our listening and discipling. Because listen, if there's not peace, then there's distraction. There's chaos. There's destruction. There's elements that are of this earth that should not be long in this house of, of our church and our family. And we've got to be at peace with each other. And that comes from us working. Look at this, this picture of a harvest. A farmer isn't going to wake up one day and his crop is grown and, and all set. No, he had to prepare the soil. He had to seed. He had to water and nourish and allow the produce to grow, to grow and then to go harvest it and, and to reap the harvest. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work for us to make this place a place of peace, for make this place, our heart, a place of peace that can only come from God, that can only come from our relationship with him, that we've got to pursue that. We've got to listen better to one another and respect one another and watch and check our selfishness at the door, check our selfish ambition and our desires at the door and come 
and worship an amazing God and worship with an amazing family who, who we all need help. We all are on this journey together. And the message as a translation of the Bible isn't great sometimes, but sometimes it words, rewords things some pretty cool. Let me read verse 18 from the message. It says, we can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if we do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. We are the people of peace who then produce more peace. And that starts with our heart. That starts with our family, rolls off into our church family. And then I pray that it oozes all of our community and our state and our country and our world. We have an amazing gift of God in our salvation and this wisdom of God that only can be accessed through him. And we have an amazing gift for us to live out. And I pray we are in this together. It's not easy, but let's pursue, pursue that peace uh, that only can come from God. As we close in prayer and go into our time of invitation, I pray for a situation that you might need to resolve. I pray for a relationship that you you might need to fix, uh, that you have opportunity to do that. I pray that we are on our knees more every day asking for the wisdom of God, uh, for us to see him first and go ahead where he is already, and then to pray for his wisdom and guidance in our life. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you for this time that you've given us to really understand first how much you love us, uh, that you have given us access to you. You have given us access to your son, Jesus, who not only died on the cross for our sins uh, to be forgiven, but he rose again to conquer sin and death. But, but he is all in to continue to love us and show us the way. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit, that we turn the volume up on the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we listen more intently, that we stop and not speak so much because we get in trouble with that. But we stop and we listen more and pursue this wisdom that can only come from you because of your amazing love and your amazing mercy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.